This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. It appears to me when first looking at the Gospel of Matthew that two clear themes seem to come out and they are set for us in the very first verse of the gospel and this is very often the case that if something is being expounded if we look at the beginning of this exposition it sets the parameters the scene if you like so if you go to the gospel of Matthew you find the very first verse uh, holds our attention because it sets the theme for the rest of the um, the gospel record and to do this we want to look at the theme in relationship to this verse and if you look at it verse 1 I'll read it to you it says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham the reason why these two men have been chosen to be related to Jesus here is the great and precious promises that the Almighty God made to them. They were chosen men in God's purpose. And so I want, first of all, to look at the first man that comes in Scripture in a chronological sense, and that would be Abraham, who came before David. So if we turn, first of all, bearing in mind that his name is referred in this verse, first verse, to Abraham, the background is given in Genesis. So if we turn to Genesis chapter 12, there we are introduced to Abraham when God calls him to come out to a land that he would show him. And you'll find at the beginning of Genesis chapter 12 it says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now that Abram lived in Ur of the Chaldees and he was drawn out of that land in the direction of the Almighty God to go towards the land of Canaan. And he goes on to say in this promise I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So we see the all-embracing effect of this promise that God makes to Abraham when he called him to go to the land of Canaan. And we find that in chapter 13, substance is put upon this promise. For Abraham is told to go and walk through the land of Canaan. We now know it to be the land of Israel. And it says here in verse 14, And the Lord said unto Abraham, after the lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which thou sayest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so the man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Now some may say here at this stage what is this Old Testament 
promise to Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, what's that got to do with the gospel? Well, the answer is given to us in Paul's letter to the Galatians. So if you turn with me now, and I'll read it for you, to Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, the problem is resolved. Because it tells us there in verse 6 of Galatians 3, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore, that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the nations through faith, preached before the gospel to Abraham. So there you see the promises that were made to Abraham are defined here as a substance of the gospel which Matthew was portraying to us saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. And you see the relationship to Jesus because it's the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham because if you turn over the page to verse 16 it says, Now to Abraham and the seed were the promises made, and he said, Not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed, which is Christ. So Christ became the seed of Abraham, through whom God made his promises. And so therefore, he was in the generations of Jesus Christ. And that's why our theme begins here in Matthew in that very first verse we said also beside Abraham there was David now God made promises to Abraham and to David probably of a similar nature and yet a slight difference because to David it was concerning the throne of the kingdom which was promised to Abraham and so the throne itself came through the promises that God made to his servant David and if you turn now with me to the historical background of David you find sure enough there we have the promise, promise now made of God to um, David and it's in verse 12 of uh, 2 Samuel 7 so we turn to 2 Samuel 7 and we're reading from verse 12 and here it says when thy days be fulfilled thou shalt sleep with thy fathers I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name. And I will establish his throne of his kingdom forever. So the throne of the kingdom, which was the throne of David, was in fact going to be given to the seed of David. And the seed of David, as we know from Matthew's gospel, was in the generations of Jesus Christ. So Jesus becomes then the seed of Abram and the seed of David according to promise. But we notice that the emphasis seems to be given to the kingship or the throne. And so Matthew, of the two themes of the throne and kingship, the throne seems to take precedence. And this is clearly set out because if you look at verse 1 that we started with it says there that the book of generations of Jesus Christ now it doesn't put the chronological order it doesn't say 
the son of Abraham, the son of David. It reverses it and says the son of David, the son of Abraham. The reason for that, it's emphasising the throne. In other words, the the theme of, of Matthew is going to be kingship. It's going to be the throne. The kingdom is certainly there, and yet it appears that the king is being emphasised. And so David's name is... is, is uh, it becomes paramount. In fact, if you look at the genealogy that goes through the kings here in the genealogy of Jesus, when David is mentioned, it says in verse 6 of chapter 1, Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon. So it's the fact that David was a king that his name comes first. And kingship seems to be this theme that we're going to find that um, emanates from uh, Matthew's gospel record. And if we compare this record with the record that's in Luke, because we only have the two records, we find that this in Matthew is according to the kings, as we've already mentioned there, that the kings are mentioned here. Whereas if you look at the actual genealogy that's in Luke's gospel record, and you'll find it in Luke chapter 3, there it's according to the descent from Mary, which was his natural birth. The kingship side, from David as it were, comes in Matthew. So there we have the difference. It's still talking about the generation of Jesus Christ. One is his natural birth from Mary. The other one is his relationship to the promises through David. And so this seems to be the emphasis that's made here. And you'll also notice that the word Christ is mentioned here in this uh, first chapter of Matthew whereas when we look into Luke's gospel record verse 23 it says his name is Jesus and so that there's a difference in the way he's addressed one is Christ the anointed the king in Matthew and Luke is talking about the natural birth from his mother Mary so because we're looking at Matthew we're carrying on now with this main theme and you'll notice right away at the birth of Jesus the main theme becomes paramount because when we get to chapter 2 we find the wise men come from the east now who are they looking for? they're looking for the king and that's why Matthew in his gospel record is constantly bringing out this kingly aspect the Messiah aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ and so just, just look at it with me there and you see how clearly this comes out we start off from Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying where is he that is born king of the Jews you see the wise men were coming looking for the king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him when Herod, the king, had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall, be, that shall rule over my people Israel. So it's the governor, the king, the one that will rule over the, the uh, people of Israel. And this is highlighted here in this particular um, visit 
of the wise men who came seeking this king. And you notice there that quotation has been made because it's made from Micah's prophecy. When it says Bethlehem, Ephrata, this is Micah chapter 5 verse 2, it says, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. And that is what's quoted there in verse 5 of, uh, of, chapter, of chapter 2 of Matthew. So we, we begin to see now how right away our mind is constantly looking for a king. The king of, as it says, Judea, the king of the Jews. That's what they came searching for. And so it carries on. And in fact, in fact if you look at the, the theme now of king and kingdom, you'll find that the kingdom is referred to quite extensively in Matthew. It's about a kingdom and a king. Kingdom is actually referred to, and we've, we've, we've checked this out, is 55 references to kingdom. Of those 55, 32 refer to the kingdom of heaven. There's a reason for that, which we'll be looking at later. But the next thing that comes to our mind, really, in the narrative here, is the temptations which came to Jesus. These are in chapter 4 of Matthew. Now when we look at the temptations of Jesus, this was prior to his ministry, we'll find that there were three temptations that Jesus had, equating to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And these three temptations all came to Jesus in the wilderness. But when we compare the record here and the record in Matthew, sorry, the record in Luke, compare Matthew and Luke, you'll notice that there is a difference and the difference is this that the second and the third temptations are reversed so Matthew alters the order chronologically that he's putting now Luke is the correct we believe because Luke's record is well known to be in, in a, a chronological sense. So all the things that happened in, in, in the life of Jesus are recorded in correct order. That's why he starts off in Luke. He puts them in order, most excellent Theophilus. This is what Luke says. But when you actually look at Matthew, Matthew for some reason, and there, there evidently is a reason, he reverses the second and third temptation. And there's a reason for it. If we actually look at the third temptation that came to Jesus you find it's in verse 8 of Matthew 4 and he puts this because this is the greatest and most difficult temptation to overcome and it's about being the king there and then and that's why Matthew puts it to la at last to make an emphasis upon it and so he says there Again, the devil, or the temptation, taking him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee behind me, adversary, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And that's where he's being tempted to take the kingship now the kingdoms of the world to rule now 
And that wasn't in the purpose of God. And he overcame that temptation. And he says, it is not the work, the, the purpose of God. I cannot do that. And he wouldn't take that, that, uh, that position of kingship there and then. And Matthew puts it down to make it the, 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 the prime mover as far as the temptations were concerned. And he overcame it. And that's why the angels then were sent to minister to Jesus. Because he'd managed to overcome the greatest of all the temptations that he had at that time. So having seen that, now we move into the ministry of Jesus. And we find Matthew gives us what we term the Sermon on the Mount. Which is the exhortation that Jesus gave on that mountain to his disciples. And in this we find it contains some interesting thoughts as regarding the kingdom. Just look there at um, Matthew 6 and at verse, um, verse 9. And this is the Lord's Prayer. Now when we compare this, and I'm going to do the comparison by, by looking at Luke's Gospel record. These are two records which are comparable when we're looking at these events, Luke and Matthew. But like I say, there are differences. And if we turn to Matthew, we're going to read there, but we're going to just keep our finger in Luke 11 and, and uh, verse 2. So we look at, we've got Luke 11 turned up there in verse 2, which is the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer in Matthew is actually given in chapter 6 and at verse 9. And I'm going to read what we have here in verse 9 of Matthew. And you can also look at Luke to the look one afterwards. Afterward, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he mentions a kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now the difference between that and what we have in Luke is that um, Matthew refers the king to the kingdom twice. He emphasises at the end Luke doesn't mention the last reference to the kingdom. I'm just turning to Luke's gospel record here and I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer there from verse 2 of chapter 11. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the same. Thy kingdom come. So he mentions the kingdom come there. Uh, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us this day our daily bread, the same. Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is in debt to us, the same. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. But then it, it doesn't then carry on. It doesn't actually give us that last bit, which says, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Matthew adds that on, because it's to do with the kingdom and kingship, which is the main source of, um, of theme, or if you like, the, 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 the emphasis which is within the, the, the gospel record. Now you might ask at this stage, why does Matthew constantly refer, and we said there was 32 references to it, why does he call it the kingdom of heaven? Well what he's not doing, he's not saying that the kingdom is literally in heaven where God now dwells. 
but rather is contrasting the kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms that we now understand, that are ruled over by men and nations and governments, with the kingdom of God, which were ruled over by the king, the Messiah, son of God. And so therefore to make the difference known to the readers, he talks about it as the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's a heavenly kingdom which will be upon this earth. And that's suggested in the very words of, the, um, of that um, prayer. If you look at it, it says there, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's the reason why Matthew constantly, 32 times, refers to it as the kingdom of heaven to show that it's God's kingdom on this earth that is the subject matter of his epistle, of his um, gospel record. Another thing we note as well, there is frequent use in Matthew of quotations taken from the Old Testament. And that's because in essence he's appealing to the Jewish uh, um, readers. It's directed to the Jewish believers. And therefore he uses a lot of Old Testament scriptures which will be familiar to them. Just as Luke appeals to the Gentiles. And so you get this balance throughout the Gospel records appealing to different sections, Jews and Gentiles. And it appears that Matthew concentrates upon uh, appealing firstly to, to the Jews. And therefore the, the many quotations that we could look through and, and prove that that's the case. Well, we want to come to some conclusions on, on this matter now and try to, to get, uh, get to grips with the final outcome. Well, we said, first of all, that there was a, a kingship that we've been looking at and emphasising. And we've got the kingdom itself. And the two can be traced through in different ways. We could actually look at the, at the miracles but you'll probably see the plan that has been arranged. I've just got it in front of me now. But the plan is that we look at the themes which I'm just doing now. And then later this month, uh, another uh, person who speaks from here is going to talk about um, these themes as they appear in the miracles. So we won't be looking at that because it's, it's going to be dealt with as a separate subject. You, you will find in the miracles that the kingship and, and the kingdom come out over and over again not only that but also if we look at the form of teaching when he taught in parables within his ministry again within the parables we find parables of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God on earth and they come out over and over again with the king so that's another separate night that you're going to have here uh, this month dealing with those two separate aspects under the general uh, talk that we're, we're giving tonight so you can see that this is uh, a development now really to conclude I want us to look at the chapter that was read in way of introduction because I believe that we've got to have some form of hope that comes from the gospel and it does appear that in Matthew 25 we're given there a hope a hope that we can retain and believe and the hope is that Jesus will return to the earth as king. 
And it's given in very clear language there in verse 31 that we began our reading, Matthew 25, verse 31. And you can see this, this, this is the hope of the Gospel of Matthew. And it comes out right at the last part of this, uh, of this record, in Matthew 25. It, um, it starts off when it says, uh, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like unto ten virgins. So he, he's comparing the kingdom of heaven, then he puts it into this uh, parable here of the ten virgins. So it's, what is the kingdom of heaven like? That's what he's, he's saying. And he's saying how you, you should prepare it. But as I said, that's under this theme of the other parables. But when you get to verse 31... It then is more direct and it gives us our hope. And it says there, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So again, we back to the throne. A king sits upon a throne. David's throne was in Jerusalem. So Jesus is going to return to sit upon the throne of David in Jerusalem. And from that throne... He's going to rule in glory. Glory is a, is, is a word that's used to show power. And God's glory, we're told, will fill the earth. And it says there, in verse 32, Before him shall be gathered all nations. Then he separates, doesn't he, as a shepherd would, would, would separate the sheep from the goats. And so the, the principle here is that we are to try to understand this in relation to those who understand the gospel if we understand the gospel and follow its message of hope then we can be amongst those described as the sheep here who work with the king in his kingdom and it says there in verse 33 now and he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on his left then shall the king see we're back with the king again then shall the king say unto them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world so the king there uh, gives out the, the positions of authority in the kingdom of God on earth and one of the things that was promised and you'll find that this is in around about uh, Matthew 19 I think it is where uh, the disciples want to know what they will have so it says, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye shall sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So the apostles have been given particular positions there in the kingdom of God, with Jesus as the head, as the king. And so it shows that all others that work in this framework work from the uh, development of this kingship over the kingdom of God, which will have this um, power over all the nations who will come to Jerusalem to learn of the name of God. And by looking at uh, the prophets in line with uh, Matthew's gospel record, we'll have a clear understanding of what Jesus was, was, was doing and what Jesus was telling us to do in our preparation for the great day when he will return to the earth and when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And that's the day that we look forward to. That's what Matthew was trying to express to us. He was showing us the kingship of Jesus. That's the theme that you're going to be looking at the rest of this month. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, 
ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk